I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome. To the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 70! Who'd have thunk we'd make it this far? Uh, I did. Did you? Well yes, done. Well I had done faith in us from the start. <laughs> You'd planned them all out. Eh? No, I really hadn't planned out 70. <laughs> 70? Pretty good game. Know, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. It's quite good. It seems like a big number. It's prestigious almost. Is it? I don't know. Let's 70 go with that. seems it fancy. wise with worldly wisdom. This is true. This is true. Great oh. big beardliness going on. In your case and, and in mine. Well, yeah. <laughs> in yours, it is an epic beard you've got going on there. Yes. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. Hey, got me. a beverage. Hey, got a beverage. Got a story coming up. Oh, a story. Is there are worse ways to spend an evening. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you normally say that when it's your story and you're really excited about you talking for an hour. <laughs> me I mean, obviously, there are better ways to spend an evening. <laughs> Oh, I was so close you, to yeah, just you, having you, the compliment. You, you got cocky there, didn't you? You got yeah, a bit cocky. <laughs> I chased the compliment. I should have just I should have just left with it. Well, any poisonings this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> you were holding your drink in the most pursed lips way of, mm, perhaps. <laughs> Dance card has not yet been have stamped. You, have you sampled your drink I've made you? What? Oh. No poisonings. No, it's all good. Oh, okay, good. It's good, all good, good. good. I jest in my hilariously funny ways. I hope. I <laughs> well, speaking of joke poisonings and slipping people a mickey when they come around to see you, I think it's time for us to thank our lovely, sexy Patreon subscribers. Absolutely, we most certainly should. So thank you so much, darling people. Thank you to Vianney Rogers. To Tommy Etta. Uh, to Julie Jackson Fosberg. To Mary Murphy. I hope it is Mary. I'm assuming we're pronouncing it because it's the Celtic word. And to Sophie Odkill. Thank you very much, you lovely people. Thank you, very, very sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. We got to 50 episodes this week. We did. I never thought that would happen either. And that's gone really quickly. It has gone very quickly. It's almost a year of Patreon, and where the hell did that come from? Well, it's a very good time to join Patreon if you haven't already, because there's a lot of debate going on. We've said, what should we do for the one-year anniversary Mm. of Patreon, which is obviously coming up? Oh, and there have been lots of ideas. Lots of ideas. Maybe we'll probably do a QA. and a We'll do something Mm. a little extra on Patreon. You'll have to join Patreon to find out what we do do. Oh, exactly. What we do do. What we do do. (laughs) What do do do. I'm making it strange. <laughs> and you're making strange eye gestures at me. I know. That's the Patreon way, Nick. <laughs> Over a microphone. It's very, <laughs> it's very alluring and slightly frightening. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm frightened you've said that. Well, Nick, are you ready? Oh, yes. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. I am way ahead of you. Oh, we could, if you prefer, for the 70th episode, drink poison and talk about cocktails. I mean, the 70th, it's enough. We've done it. Time to end it all. We've learned over 70 episodes that people drank a lot of poison and seemingly survived for a while. This is true. We're not advocating that, obviously. (laughs) Probably not the best idea. No. Um, But I I... might stick with a cocktail for this episode. Well, hooray, hooray, hooray. We're going to go with the first one because, of course, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, each week, dear listeners, we pick a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. Now it is my story for episode 70 mm. and I got to choose the secret ingredient. Mm. Mm. And this week's secret ingredient is an axe. See, I do have issues with this. Why? 
<laughs> I have to say, I think we we are veering into the weird territory of weird ingredients. Yeah. Naked man wasn't weird. Naked man at all. wasn't weird. No, wasn't that, weird that's at entirely all. entirely fine. It's it's a bit on the nose, as it were. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I wanted this to be a bit of a ooh point of excitement for people at what possibly could it be. B. Now, as we're recording this, Nick doesn't actually know the title of the episode, but you've I all seen it. I can give it a good guess. Oh, yeah, there's lots of possibilities. <laughs> there's lots of possibilities. In my research, which went on for quite a while, and how I didn't know this, very late in the day, discovered a perfect secret ingredient. And I said to Nick, oh, there was this. And you were like, oh, for God's sake, I could have done loads with that. <laughs> that would have been perfect, but I haven't got time to buy anything. Well, it's fine. Well, we'll save it for another day. So yes. an axe, an axe, Nick, an axe for our axe-axe ways. <laughs> Yes. You don't know that Perhaps, it's anything to do with death. Well, no, this is true. Perhaps a humble axe salesman was murdered. Exactly. Was poisoned, so it could be that. Maybe an axe went out to find its fortune in some sort of weird Pixar kind of film because its parents were killed by an evil knife seller who was jealous. Yes. I mean, I'll Disney should be listening. I'll, I'll try. You can, you can sell that one to Pixar, I think. <laughs> That's all I'll have. I'll go in. An axe went to buy... Who is this woman? <laughs> Who let her in? Just bear with me. There are knives as well and poison. Why are you calling the police? Well, with axe then as the yes. ingredient inspiration, what have you come up with, Nick? There's not that many axe-based cocktails out there. It has to I'm be said. I'm disappointed and well, shocked. Well, as am I. There are few and far between, but there are some. I'll give you that. So, yeah, so I haven't distilled the essence of axe, um, which oh. I thought was an option. <laughs> I really want to do that now. <laughs> Like in a big boiler, like perfume sort of thing, but with oh, axes. Like, oh, but like the, fil- <laughs> like like the film, like the, yeah. not, not the film, excuse me, the book. <laughs> the book, the, which the, was the, made into a film. Yeah, so like that, but um, with axes. But we haven't, haven't done that. You have your perfumery no. and your vat of bodies and bits of wood <laughs> to create the perfect perfume. But in your case, cocktail. Oh yeah. my God, write the book, cocktail. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's how it's going to work. <laughs> so this week we have a weathered axe. A weathered axe. A cocktail called a weathered axe. I love that name. It's good. It's got a rustic vibe yeah. to it. I like that. It's not a shiny new axe. No one wants a shiny new axe. No one wants a shiny one new axe. One sort of one's like a, a blood-soaked knackered axe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. You want one with a past. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, an axe with a history. Not going to lie, uh, an ex-boyfriend bought me an axe as a gift. Uh, it doesn't entirely surprise me, as we did out, go out one summer and you went axe throwing. And I was very good at it. Very good at it, mm-hmm. apart very from the good. one that didn't hit. That's the one you remember from that. <laughs> it's the one I've got video of. <laughs> and the other ones were bang, bang on target, mate. Oh my God, you're the worst person ever. I'm like, look, I got one. Yeah, you missed one. Yeah, no, I got 12, you missed one. Failed, <laughs> failed. Weathered Axe. I'm really excited about that. I love a good name. Now we've been let down in the past we with the good names. We have indeed. This could be one of those surprising ones that is actually okay. really good. It could be entirely dreadful. I'm a little worried because you made a very nice cocktail before we started recording, which makes me think you're not hanging on for this cocktail. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. We have to try it. We don't know. We have been surprised in the past. I think it is high time for us, Nick, to go into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So we're weathered axing. Yes. Now it looks it looks interesting. It, it looks, looks interesting. Yeah. Now we don't often have a cocktail served in a proper old-fashioned glass. No, in a sort of tumbly thing. No, it's not my usual go-to receptacle. Yes, they're very, very beautiful glasses. They're very nice. They're very nice. They're, they're, they're very, very nice. It's it's yellowy. Yellowy colour. We colour. sort of colour. Yes, we straw, wee, whatever you want wee to call it. Colour. If you want to go with we, then that's, exactly. that's, I'll and leave that to you. It's got a slightly foamy top, so I'm, I'm afraid. Well, everything does be shaking. I know, but I've I've got a certain fear of yellowy drinks that are yellowy with a foamy drinks. top because I'm thinking of the mustard one and also the golden Cadillac. I guarantee you this has no mustard in it. Oh, thank you, good you lord, that. or milk. Okay, well, I, I I don't know what's in it. I'm I'm excited to try a weathered axe. You're on I'm, the fence. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure. You're not sure this is going to work. I, yeah. I think it will work. I don't know how pleasant it will be. Well, we need a win this week. We do. Should we just dive in? All right. Fingers crossed. Okay. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Let's dive in. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. It's good. (laughs) It's okay, people. Actually, I'm surprisingly pleased by that. Oh, no, I really like that. Yeah, actually. Oh, that has got a lot of citrus to it. Nice and sharp. That's my cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, it's only been one sip, but yeah. No, no, there's a lot of lemon in there. Definitely lemon. Lemon, that's different. And other things that I don't get. And there, there, there are other things. It's not just a glass of lemon juice, I promise you that. Second sip. Give it a go. Give it a go. 
No, I like that. <laughs> ginger. Good spot. Yes. Yeah, now I'm getting the ginger. So lemon and ginger, great. I Great for a cold if you have one. Well, that's why I was, I was concerned it would be a bit medicinal. But oh, I don't think it lemon is. Lemon and ginger. No, it's, that's it's, good. It's a great combination. Okay. Uh, what else is in there I don't know, but it's lovely and I'm here for it. Tell me <laughs> everything. So we have bourbon. Ooh, yay. We have a base of bourbon. Nice. We have lemon uh, lemon juice and then a ginger syrup. Oh, with ginger uh, syrup. Ginger syrup in there. Uh, a triple sec. So Ooh. a twang oh, of orange. A little bit of, a little bit of orange in there. And a, a cochio americano, which the, is... What, the a, <laughs> it's a white wine aperitif. It's um like a dry vermouth. It's a variation on a... Oh. Like a dry vermouth. It's like yeah. a lillet that you would have in a Vespa. Oh, right. Um, okay. it's, that, it's that sort of family. Oh, that's exciting. So, yeah. Uh, before. Yeah, well, I had it in the cupboard, so we must have had it in something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, well, maybe we have. Maybe, maybe we've had it every week and I've blocked it out. And then shaky, shaky, and shaky, 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 over, shaky, shaky over, with, over ice. Over a big old cute of ice. Very pleased because, again, after a run of ugh, uh, meh, meh, <laughs> not so much kind of drinks, this one is a winner. I'm, I'm Hurrah, here for it. Which is yeah. annoying. It means I can't finish Nace this week. Yeah, that is a resounding yeah. success. Hooray for a good cocktail. Hooray. Finally. It's about time. <laughs> and again, if you don't have the, was it the Cochi Americano? Yeah, you can just use straight up driver move. It's yeah. only it's only half an ounce, but everything else you've probably got in the cupboard. Yeah. Really, lemon juice, ginger syrup. I bought a bottle of ginger syrup just because I thought I'll probably use it. I think no. we've said before that if you buy, certainly in England, you can get this, and I'm sure you can in America. A crystallized ginger. Ginger is very popular yeah. in all sorts of confectionery and all sorts of baking, and it's usually in syrup. So just yeah. drain off the sugary goodness from that, and then you got ginger. Yeah. I mean, the one I bought is just one that you'd use in coffees. March into Starbucks. Huh? Say I want four um, shots of this. None of your questions. Have that in the back of the cupboard. And Lovely. it'll go down a treat. Oh, I'm pleased. Well, Nick, with our weathered axes firmly in hand, yes. don't know what we're planning to do <laughs> on this journey we're going on. No. I think it's wise, though, that we should have the weathered axes. Are you ready for a story? I think I am. Now, I've said axe. Yes. I've said axe. You have said axe. Now, obviously, we're talking about poisoning. Right. No. <laughs> One of the people involved in this story did say, I knew there was an old axe down there. That's all I know. But maybe a far more famous saying that comes from this story. Would you like to say it with me when I start? That depends what it is. <laughs> Lizzie Borden took an axe. I don't know this one. What? Sorry, wait a minute. What? How do you not know the rhyme? I don't know. This is live, people. What? <laughs> How do you not know the rhyme? Okay, I'm going to say everyone who's listening, say it along with me. <laughs> Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, gave her father 41. No, 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 no. How have you not heard that? <laughs> That's the rhyme. The the only rhyme. The only rhyme, because we're talking about Lizzie Borden. The only rhyme that you grew up with in your childhood. That's it. There okay. were no other rhymes. <laughs> Every birthday, it was sing that instead of happy birthday, blow yeah. out the candles. When I went to sleep, no bar bar black sheep. No. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave him a 40 minutes. It explains a lot, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> why I got gifted axes, why I have a general sense of darkness around me. <laughs> No, of course, of course, of course, this week. But episode 70, we are going to talk about Lizzie Borden. So that one, I had a hint. I may have guessed that one. We'll see. If you say the word axe... That's where you go, really, Do you think it? Lizzie Borden... Despite from never knowing the rhyme. I know an axe is involved. I think I remember first reading the rhyme and it was in a book and again this does explain a lot now that I pick it apart you know my parents gave me books on murders apparently or like <laughs> famous crimes and weird macabre things they they sent they sensed what I was into when I was younger and I have a vivid memory of this book detailing the story of Lizzie Borden and it was written for like kids it wasn't it wasn't like an adult book that I was gonna they didn't just throw like you know history's greatest murderers there you go brush your teeth <laughs> it was this um sort of illustrated book about Lizzie Borden and I don't know nice why I read up. it, it a nice, was. nice nice pop-up children's <laughs> my favorite murderers book yes <laughs> It went from like calling the caterpillar, having a jolly time, hungry, hungry caterpillar as well. He was having a great time as well. Um, Who was calling the caterpillar? I don't know. Colin the caterpillar, that, that's the cake, isn't it? So. <laughs> 
He had his own series of books. He had his own series of books. He's also he made a cake. Straight from that into here, have an axe. I may have been twenty five when I read this, and I'm picturing myself as a twelve year old. But the story of Lizzie Borden, the famous famous murders. Now most people know the rhyme. I was going out on a punt there apparently with you but most people know Lizzie Borden took an axe and she was suspected of killing members of her family but how much really do you know Nick how much well do that's you about know? it really that's I it I know she had an axe she had an axe <laughs> that's, that's the limit of my knowledge she was born with an axe she bore an axe in hand very unpleasant for all concerned well would you like to know the story oh go on then <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You seem to have done so much work. Let us examine the yeah. crime itself first. Uh, okay. Shall we? Shall, Shall we be taking shall? notes? Mental notes. Mental notes, okay. Okay, Nick, it is the 4th of August, 1892. Swelteringly hot day in Fall River, Massachusetts. Okay. Good. Got, that. Me. You got, got that. Got that. Got <laughs> that. Stored. And we were in the large house of the Bordens. Now, the first person up... This day is the housemaid Bridget Maggie Sullivan, 25-year-old Irish immigrant. She has been a maid for the Bordens for about four years now. She would normally wake up around 5am to start her chores, collect the milk pail that had been left on the step. That day she actually woke with quite a heavy headache. She wasn't feeling that well. No one in the house had been feeling well for a few days. But, you know, she was a little bit slower in her tasks than normal, but she's got jobs to do. She knows she has hours of work ahead of her. Her chores are washing, ironing, cooking, doing the laundry, she doesn't make the bedrooms up weirdly the family do that themselves but she makes breakfast for the family mutton for breakfast yep okay a hearty uh, breakfast a hearty breakfast some uh, mutton broth all ingredients you could have had thank you for that mm. cookies oh cookies you didn't mention cookies <laughs> Rude! I don't know what kind of cookies they were. I don't care. <laughs> you were just Oreos. That was it. <laughs> double stuff. Double double chocolate chips. cookies. <laughs> Allegedly cookies. I th- the word cookies. It could have been mm. bloody anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coffee yeah. and tea for the family. There yeah, you go. Done that. A nice spread. The first people who come downstairs are Andrew Borden, the uh, master of the house, and his wife Abby. His thirty-two-year-old daughter Lizzie would not come down the stairs until later. She tended to rise later and she didn't really take meals with the family that much. Poor Maggie herself is still overcome with sickness during her morning tasks. Actually has to hurry outside to vomit by the side of the house while still serving. Straight back on with the cooking after that. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Andrew is a stern businessman. He has his coffee and his breakfast, a light meal, and then he leaves the house to go on his morning walk and also to tend to his various local businesses. Maggie's sickness is not going to excuse her from the chores of the day. Abby, Mrs. Borden, the second wife of Andrew Borden and Lizzie's stepmother, she says that Maggie needs to clean all the windows of the house. It's quite a large house in a suburban area. Over three floors, it has a barn at the back. If you look at pictures, and you can still see them today, uh, the barn would be what we call a garage but a garage without cars but without cars or just hey well they didn't they didn't have a horse they used to have a horse they didn't have a horse anymore Uh, it was just an area they had yes but it's it's quite a big house and abby while she is also doing chores the the maid doesn't do everything in the house she decrees you know you've got to clean all the windows all the windows inside and out and maggie's like great great it's really hot day (laughs) this is not going to be a fun chore i've got to get the ladders out she does she has to get the big stick she says the windows are awfully dirty in an American accent, obviously. Yes, not in a desperately posh English accent. Maggie spent the best part of the morning scrubbing and soaking the lower outside windows all around the house in the sweltering heat, speaking to people as she went by and worked her way around the house before tackling the inside windows of the dining room. Around about 10.30am, Andrew Borden returns home. He cannot open the front door. His key sticks in the lock or it's been double locked for some reason. Nothing to be worried about. Maggie wrestles with the locks inside trying to let him in at this point she swears she swears out loud she hears laughter coming from the floor above a woman's laughter Mm. opens the door lets andrew in andrew comes in he goes into the lounge where he is going to lie on the sofa it's a hot day he wants to read he wants to take his nap maggie carries on with her chores around the house and she bumps into lizzie as she goes the young woman asking the maid a few times if she is planning to go out during the day is she going anywhere in the afternoon she mentions a dress sale the maid does not take this as anything strange she would normally ask her what her movements of the day would be eventually the maid manages to slip away from her chores having washed windows and been up since 5am she hears lizzie speaking to her father in the living room 
actually goes up to her bedroom on the third floor. In the attic. In the attic. She goes up to her quarters to have a lie down. She hears the city hall bells ringing at around about 11am, but she would not rest for long. For about five or ten minutes later, she hears Lizzie shouting up the stairs, Come down quick, father is dead. Someone has come in and killed him. Okay. Curious turn of events. So Andrew... Borden has been found by his daughter on the living room sofa. His face is pouring with blood because he has probably been asleep when someone has come in and struck him full in the face with an axe. Jolly, jolly, all in the morning's work. One blow with whatever the blade is that struck him, cut one of his eyes clean in half, split in two. Yeah, that's unpleasant. After that, he's still been struck 10 or 11 more times, full Mm. in the face in a frenzied attack. And he is still bleeding when found. Well, you would, wouldn't you, I think. Just indicates the killer has not long struck. Quite a recent event. In the furore that would follow as people coming in and out of the house, which I will revisit in a minute, they find Abby Borden's body upstairs on the floor of her bedroom. Sometime that morning, before Andrew had met his demise, Abby was in her room and she had turned to face who had ever had come in and she was struck on the side of the head above the ear and knocked to the ground again with something like an axe or a hatchet. When she was lying down, she was struck another 17 times in the back of her head. That'll do it. So right now, we have to address the fact that the rhyme is wrong. (laughs) Yes, far too extravagant, the rhyme. Exactly. So when Andrew came home at 10.30am, it is very likely that Abby was dead Mm. upstairs. But if she was dead upstairs, and there was no way anyone could have gone upstairs and not seen her body in the room... Who was laughing on the landing? Well, who do we think? Could it be the killer herself? Lizzie. Could it? Is it so cut and dried, though? Could it be Lizzie? (laughs) The Bordens certainly have been slain, Nick, but how and why and what for and when and who and what? (laughs) All those words. Did Lizzie indeed give her family 40 wax or less, apparently? Less, apparently, yeah. (laughs) Well, shall we go back and have a little look at the Borden family history? Shall we? Shall we? To find out about the Borden family and, of course, Lizzie, the woman who is famed for these murders. So Lizzie was born in 1860 in Fall River, Mm. the place that she would live out most of her life. Daughter of Andrew and Sarah Borden. Mm. And she had one older sister, Emma. Now, Daddy had come from pretty meagre background, did not live an affluent lifestyle in his youth, but he had gone on to make his fortune investing in property, manufacturing, production. Uh, He sold coffins, of all things. And some furniture as well, but mainly coffins. Mainly coffins, or stick with the coffins. Coffins that you always have a trade. Well, I mean, that's true. You're never going to go out of business with a coffee if you're making coffins, are you? He was a smart man. In this manner, he amassed a very healthy living for himself and his family and was able to build quite a sizable property portfolio. He served as a director and a president on a number of boards of associations and businesses. He owned property across Massachusetts. When he died, he was worth the equivalent in these days of, I think it was about $9 million. That's a fair amount. But for all of Andrew's wealth and prosperity... Andrew did not live a particularly lavish lifestyle, nor did he favour one. In fact, he was something, I would say, of a miser. Okay. He had lots of money, but he wasn't going to spend on well, frivolous what's things. The, what's the point of that? Well, where he was in Fall River, Massachusetts, he could have easily afforded a comfortable home for his wife and his daughters in the very fashionable, well-to-do neighbourhood of The Hill. That was the place to be. Now, this is also a time in Massachusetts is divided into Protestants, they're rich and wealthy, they live on the hill. The Catholics, the Catholics, they live down the hill. But that was where the Borden family lived, and they weren't too fond of Catholics, especially not the Irish. Lots well, of Irish I, immigrants. I understand that, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, you're plagued by them daily (laughs) but he could have afforded a a, a more comfortable lifestyle let's say he didn't have to be lavish no but he was he saw no need for such extravagance no extravagance like a bigger house and a fancy neighborhood or indoor plumbing no who needs that who needs comfy things absolutely not everyone had indoor plumbing and electricity around this time it was not a fancy thing but he (laughs) clearly had seen a deal with the house that they lived in so they had no plumbing they had to throw out the slops each day there's there's records again of this particular morning when when Andrew met his demise he was taking his bucket downstairs as he did and just threw it out under the pear tree and then he picked a bunch of pears and brought them inside that's not that's not nice fertilizing it's do you really want to eat one of those pears I I think we've 
all have eaten fruit that is fertilised with things we with, with, with someone throwing their shit at it yes but like not from a house a that's cow fertiliser is alright I didn't realise you were living such a good life kind of <laughs> lifestyle there and so he, he can't be that frugal if he's got a maid He's got one maid who doesn't clean the entire house because the rest of the family also have to clean the house. Well, they have to got, make their own beds. Oh, yeah, he's got a maid. He's got he's got help. He does the cooking and ironing. That's her main things. But you can still see the house today. It's quite a big house, so he could have afforded something pretty modest or you know pretty pretty damn comfortable up in the hill. But no, 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 no. For a millionaire, he decides he's going to save every penny that he can. Poor Lizzie and her older sister Emma would lose their mother quite young. No. Lizzie was about three years old when Mother Sarah died from uterine congestion and spinal disease. Jolly. That's not fun. It doesn't sound particularly fun, to be honest, no. no. And Lizzie was six when Daddy married Abby, nay, Gray, who would become Abby Boardman. Now, Lizzie and Emma had a typical Protestant upbringing. Lots of good, stern Victorian morals are instilled in them. They would go to church. They would go to Sunday school. They would grow up being very involved in the church and very involved in the community and very pious, charitable acts. They are not poor, obviously. They are wealthy, but they are not living high society. It is their job to be seen to be charitable and to be doing good work. Lizzie herself would become a Sunday school teacher she sat on the board of the women's christian temperance union nice party there every night i mean absolutely i mean a temperance movement what's not to love also the christian endeavor society and my personal favorite the ladies fruit and flower mission i mean i want to be a member (laughs) you would be president i'll be president lizzie and emma never married they seem quite committed to their various social endeavors um cast the appearance of being quite proper Certainly wealthy, never ostentatious. If if the word spinster comes to mind, <laughs> it was certainly what they were called even before the events that happened at the Borden household. Well, with their fruit and flowers. The fruit so and they, flowers. They, they've got, they're busy. They're busy people. I haven't got time <laughs> for all this romance nonsense. Fruit and flowers to arrange. This banana, it's wonderful. <laughs> but this appearance of this pious, well-to-do family perhaps belied some of the underlying <laughs> resentments. <laughs> And bubbling tension within the family. Now, if you don't know the story, Nick, reserve your judgment. It's not going to be very cut no, and my dried. Mind, my mind is made up. <laughs> you know, she did it. There she was a rhyme. It. That was the it. end. Exactly. It's, it's, it's in rhyme form. What more could you ask for? Stepmother Abby was not openly disliked by Lizzie. <laughs> Uh, not openly disliked. Not openly disliked. This is a point of contention that was in the testimonies for years later. The daughters did feel that she probably married Daddy for his money. But again, this is a respectable family. They're not going to dissolve into petty squabbles. They're not going to be yelling at each other. She only ever called Abby Mrs. Borden. She never called her Abby, certainly never called her mother. And she would say later on that they were very friendly, they were on good terms, but anyone pressed her about, you know, well, did you feel that she was a motherly figure? She was always quite reserved. And you can't really blame her for that. No, indeed not. Yet she was forced to live in this big, large house as well, which should have been a state, you know, a symbol of their status, but it was amidst all of the Irish Catholic immigrants. My God, what a dreadful place to be. Ugh, the lower part of town. (laughs) Lizzie was not shy about being no fan of the Irish or the Catholics. It was just a little bit of snobbery. It was the style at the time. It was the style at the time. Also deprived of the comfortable lifestyle they felt they were due, Lizzie and her sister were said to be increasingly angry at their father gifting property to their stepmother, to Abby and her family. That would annoy you, wouldn't it? If If you sort of lived a life of, not frugality, but of restraint and sort of not getting the the nice things and the finer things then all of a sudden this other woman comes along and is getting all this lovely stuff and her family is getting all this lovely stuff that you've been denied all your life that's going to breed some resentment i feel to put into context both sisters had been given property by their father for the peppercorn rent of one dollar so they'd both been given property but they clearly felt that they weren't getting the value out of this property they Mm. weren't able to sell it or rent it and so in the weeks preceding the events at the house the sisters came to their father and saying you need to buy back the property and we want the money instead and the father obliged he bought back the property from the sisters for five thousand dollars each okay well no he's being fair okay fair enough Mm. it seems to be very back my judgment 
maybe it's a very transactional relationship. It's yeah. all about what is owed and what is due and what is fair rather than being emotive, possibly. But I'm not entirely, if you're talking sort of like Victorian men, it's not entirely surprising that it's yes. <laughs> not known for their emotional vulnerability. Well, we want to talk more emotions or maybe more things that were, were brought out as possibly stirring some feeling in the family. A few months before the murders, a breaking point was said to have occurred when Andrew killed several pigeons in the barn that Lizzie had set up roosts for. She sort of considered them as pets. But Andrew felt that they were attracting young children and he went in and killed them because he thought they were not, they were surplus to needs, no need for them. And Lizzie was said to be very distressed about that. Again, not being openly emotional, but talked about it a lot about the death of these pigeons. So when the 4th of August rolled around, let's just say things were not well in the house Mm. of the Bordens. Bit of (laughs) tension going on there, I feel. Bit of tension. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So back to the crime scene. I've laid out the crime scene for you. Two people are dead. Lizzie is screaming for the maid, Maggie. The accounts of what happened next become quite convoluted in a way because we have Maggie's story, we would later have Lizzie's testimony and the various people who came into the house, but the testimonies are erratic at best. (laughs) Maggie runs down the stairs. She does not see Abby's body upstairs. It's not until later until a neighbour comes in and spies her. They go up the stairs and search that they find Abby's body. At first, Maggie is sent out by Lizzie to get the doctor. One of their American friends who lives across the street, when he is not able to be found, there is definitely... Definitely an Irish doctor who lives right next door. But, but and he's a, Irish. A Jewish doctor who lives like oh, across that's even worse. the street. Oh, it's My God. <laughs> None of them are arse, and they're very respectable. That we don't even have to say that. But no, no, no. We we can't just go and get friends. We could really use some help here. They might still be like, no, 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 no. no. We don't want the Irish and Jewish people in the house. <laughs> it's a bit strange and so Maggie is then running across the street to try and find people who come in allegedly and then the house is then who filled presented their passports as they walk <laughs> yes through. exactly where are you from where were you born <laughs> sing Yankee Doodle Landing yes it's a neighbour Mr Churchill who finds Abby's body upstairs as they're searching the rest of the house the police are soon in the house and they begin their questioning but rather than finding Lizzie hysterical and distraught after her father's death Lizzie is quite calm quite emotionless in her answers well, in shock possibly at this horrendous discovery possibly the fact that she was so calm and blank with the police would later be used against her i will mention 
it has been mentioned in some reports, all of the police who would be coming into the house were Irish cops. <laughs> and she had not been their biggest vocal fan. This is true. That might be a little bit of hyperbole later on for people trying to stir stuff up. But, you know. Yeah, never know, never know. And also Lizzie keeps changing her story. That's probably more concerning. You've said shock. Mm, I she's did. being very stoic. Maybe she doesn't know what she's been doing from one thing to another. Yet, whatever Lizzie says, no one searches her room at this time. No one really does a proper examination of the house after these two horrific murders have taken place. Well, it's probably not your first assumption that the, 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 the daughter or something would do such a thing. So it's probably not... Yes, you might search the grounds and look for broken windows and all that mm. sort of thing. But you're not necessarily going to search the children's bedrooms because, yes, it's probably the last thing from your mind that they would be responsible for such a thing. It's a very good point. And maybe that's the reason why they don't search Lizzie's mm. room. Later on, it would be commented they don't search her. They don't check her for bloodstains. They go down to the cellar. They go down to the cellar of the house and there they find two axes, two hatchets and a hatchet head with a broken handle. Mm, that's some vicious axing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe the two axes and the two hatchets they discount, but it's the one with a broken handle because it looks like the handle's been broken very recently. And also the hatchet head seems to have had dust put on it. Ah, oh, so we're looking for a three-armed man. <laughs> <laughs> should be easy to find <laughs> that's absolutely what it is no they find these in the cellar and they determine that the hatchet head one that's probably the murder weapon probably the murder best weapon. thing to do is just leave it there well yes and just leave the house yeah sounds sensible none of that you don't want to disturb it you don't want to disturb it also in probably just because that was all that could happen at the time the bodies are left in the house. Well, where else are they going to go? Quick post-mortem. They remove the stomachs in the dining room. Nice. Take those out. <laughs> Take them out and carry a bag. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or just juggling it. <laughs> so they're going, going to the kitchen. Get me a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a pail. The stuff yeah. that you threw your shit out in the morning. Let's put it in that. It'll be fine. Oh, your lovely crystal decanter. That'll do. No, that's nice. <laughs> Slop it in there. <laughs> yes, the bodies are in there. A post-mortem is carried out in the dining room. Their stomachs are taken out to test for any toxins or right um, and then then they're left in the dining left room left in the dining room without stomachs after post-mortem sheet put over their oh, heads oh well, that's fine then Lizzie stays in the house that night nice. uh, with her friend Alice uh, she has a friend who comes round <laughs> there's a policeman sort of outside just outside just he's just wandering around. around he's just wandering around so that, that's pleasant that's, yeah nice I might Indeed. like check into a hotel <laughs> <laughs> Go to a friend's house. No, she gets a friend to come in. It's like the friend is like, I don't want to. No, I'd rather not. This, to be honest. You can come here. This is a lovely <laughs> non-murdery house. <laughs> it's really nice. I have Netflix. No, it wasn't until two days later that the police returned to the house to take the suspected murder weapon of the hatchet down in the cellar and to finally check Lizzie's clothing for any traces of blood. Two days had passed, though. That's a lot of time to get rid of evidence if you it really want rather, to. It is rather, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Some sort of laundry may have to be done in those two days. Well, laundry is one way of doing things. I mean, there would be the testament later from Alice that when she woke up the next morning, she did see Lizzie in the kitchen tearing up a dress that she said had paint stains on it. Why are people so stupid? And burning it in the kitchen stove. Put it in the, put it in the wash. No, she's burning it. Yeah, but that's... that's Yeah, putting it in the wash is somewhat less suspicious hmm. than setting fire to your wardrobe. You're not going to get bloodstains out in the wash, though. Well. Back then. It's not like she has a spin cycle 6,000. <laughs> she's got a bucket <laughs> and she's a got, stick. She's got a maid. She's got a... Oh, by the way, clear all this shit up for me. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that, maybe. <laughs> she is tearing up the dress and she's burning it. Mm. To be fair, that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, but not when you know other people are in the house. Maybe she didn't think the girl would come downstairs. Well... She's a fool. Could be hyperbole, could be bullshit. Yeah. Could be absolute bullshit, for all we know. But all that has happened in the house, it, it's it's strange, certainly. There's some circumstantial evidence, but it's enough. It's enough for the police to inform Lizzie that she is a suspect in mm. the murders. Now comes the inquest. And it's at the inquest that most of the folklore about these murders, not at the trial, and the enduring suspicions and speculation about Lizzie's involvement in the crimes would come about it's because of her bizarre testimony and the account that she gave at the inquest because it is quite frankly bizarre 
The court heard that from various witnesses what had happened, you have Maggie's account as the servant that she would be later become a star witness in the trial. But during this really gruelling and painstakingly detailed questioning from the district attorney of Lizzie, and you can read it online, I mean, the level of detail that goes into is exhausting. Lizzie is just saying as much as she can, but she's still saying, I don't know. And she is changing her story. Mm-hmm every two minutes from what she said to the police to even what she was saying at the time she is saying that she was on the stairs one minute when her father came home next she was in the kitchen next she was inside then she was outside then she was talking to him then overhearing him she was ironing at one point then she was reading then she was off in the barn and then she was inside she asked her father if she could help him take off his boots and she put on slippers for him and yet photos of the crime scene show him wearing boots what is she talking about she also claims that her stepmother had received a note that morning to visit a friend, a sick friend, and she told Maggie, and she was said to have said to people, oh, Abby's out of the house and she's gone to see a friend. Why would she say such a bizarre lie? But crucially, Lizzie insisted that after speaking to her father when he came home, she went out into the barn and she had picked a few pears from the tree outside and then just sat upstairs in the barn in the hayloft area for about 20 minutes eating fruit, staring out the window. What's wrong with that? Oh, that's just what she said she was doing. It's a nice, it's a nice thing to do. It's a hot day. It's a hot upstairs day. in a barn. Perhaps there was a breeze. Maybe there was a breeze, and she just wanted it was to nice, sit there nice chewing. It was nice, nice and shady. She had some pears. <laughs> she was thinking about lovely things. Lovely things. That was where she said she was at the time of the murders. Now, I will say her testimony doesn't read as the slickly rehearsed script of a practice killer. It seems like the rambling account of a confused woman during the inquest her legal team would say that she had been given so much morphine to calm her down after the murder so she could sleep. The effects were still residual when she was giving evidence. Eh. That long after? I mean, this is only a couple of days. Um, But she'd been loaded up on morphine and she was just rambling incoherently. That's what they said. During the the inquest, uh, under all of these really harsh questions there is a point where lizzie bursts out to the district attorney i don't know i don't even know what your name is mm. so after this inquest the press are divided as much as the courts are as well the papers from her own neighborhood the irish catholic neighborhood are saying oh lizzie lizzie she a suspect she did it whereas the hills the protestant area are saying no it's no it's not possible that a woman of her standing could possibly be involved <laughs> in this but it's to no avail for the Hill side of things. The state issued an arrest warrant on the 11th of August and Lizzie was taken to jail on suspicion of double homicide. And she would spend several months in jail awaiting and seeing out her trial. The inquest statement on all of the transcripts of the inquest were deemed inadmissible in the trial. So this weird, convoluted statement that everyone quotes later on, loads of the quotes about Lizzie Borden and all the suspicion about her saying she doesn't know where she was. That was said in the inquest. It doesn't come out in the trial. It's not used in the trial at all. At the trial, oh, it's so juicy. Oh, it's so juicy. (laughs) Because it's such a media sensation. Lizzie comes in. She is the picture of a Victorian refined woman. She is wearing a very corseted black dress. Hold everything in. She's holding a bunch of flowers in one hand and a fan in the other. Nice. Yep. Flowers and fan. Her walking posy. So frail, so feminine. How could such a woman commit such heinous murders? There's all sorts of accounts as well about they're, they're commenting on her stature and her height about could she be strong enough? to wield an axe like that whereas some of the papers are like no no she's really hefty and she's really sturdy <laughs> and others are like no she's but a dental flower she's a gentle, no. gentle lovely lady but the trial where is the evidence well this is very true the trial goes on for a long time and there are so many accounts and all of the transcripts are online and they are very fascinating reading but essentially it boils down to where is the evidence it's all a bit loose yes there was a hatchet in the cellar but there's no blood or any kind of matter linking it to Lizzie. Yes, she was in the house, but a neighbour attested that she was seen leaving the barn at the time that the murders were supposed to be happening. Yes, she had burned a dress, but there's no dress left to test. That rhymes, and I didn't really expect that. Well done, more rhyming. (laughs) And yes, and yes, she had, of course she had, apparently been to a druggist days before the murders and picked up or tried to pick up some prussic acid allegedly to clean her furs. Perhaps she needed to clean her furs. Mm, Prussic acid doesn't work on furs. Well, 
and she was refused the sale. (laughs) And everyone in the house had been sick for days Mm. preceding the murders, including Maggie, who was very, very ill that day. Yet that evidence is basically hearsay and it's not admitted (laughs) into the trial though people cling to it later. No, whatever theories about Lizzie do not hold water in court. Interesting, the victim's skulls are brought into court. The details of why are scant. <laughs> we do know that Lizzie faints when she sees well, that's unsurprising, them. really, is it? Here is your father's skull. <laughs> I don't know what they just brought in to go, whoa, did you do yes, it? Did, did you do it? Did, did you, you do it? Did you kill me? <laughs> and they all looked and go, yes, he was killed by an axe. Stop showing us these. Whatever case they had shored up against Lizzie was not enough to convict. No. The jury took just one hour to return a unanimous not guilty verdict. Well, I say there is no evidence, is there? So. She left the courtroom saying she was the happiest woman in the world, but she would not have the happy ending that she hoped. Though she and her sister could finally move to the hills with the money that her father had left and she also benefited from Abby's death as well, she was not welcomed into high society. Well, yes, it's not going to do really, is it? No, she was tainted by the blood of her father and her stepmother. She was shunned. A suspected murderer is not going to get invited to the best parties. In some of the other cases we covered... Well, I was just thinking, actually, in some of the cases, they do. They're <laughs> celebrated. They're celebrated, but not but, um, with Lizzie. Not this one. Maybe some of the more extravagant murderers that we've encountered yeah. in the past who were suspected but never convicted who lived the high life. You know, on Patreon this week, we talked Poor about quite. people living the society life. But Lizzie didn't. She no. was pious and Victorian. But then if she didn't kill her father and her stepmother, who did? This is very true. And everyone in the hills shunned her. She was not served in shops. She was not talked to at the church. Children followed her down the street. Maybe not saying the rhyme I started, but they were saying taunts and they were saying all manner of things. She even changed her name. It's quite ingenious. She changed her name to Lizbeth Borden. Oh, that'll do it. That'll no do it. No one will ever figure that one out. It's like the Superman putting on glasses. Yeah, absolutely. It's foolproof. That's the equivalent. Entirely foolproof. The rest of her days were played out in 1897. She was certainly accused of shoplifting in Providence, Rhode Island. But Not it was quite said, the same, is it? No, no, no. But people would probably try to find anything that they could pin on her. Go, oh, look, she was a criminal deep down. Deep down. She, was, <laughs> she wasn't convicted of murder, but we can get her on murder because of this one thing she picked up by accident. Exactly. Maybe. She, was, she was moments away from axing the lot of them in the shop. Now, we will come on to the theories in a moment, but for the end of Lizzie's life, she lived with her sister Emma for many years. They were very, very close until a sudden unexplained riff occurred in 1907. She was uh, Lizzie was throwing a party for an actress of the time. On that night, Emma moved out and never spoke to Lizzie again. Ooh. Something happened. Something was revealed. Something was revealed. Lizzie would die of pneumonia on the 1st of June, 1927. On the same day that she died, her sister Emma, who hadn't spoken to her for years, fell and broke her hip and died nine days later. That's just an interesting coincidence. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I just people commented on it. Going, oh, this oh it must be the ghost of Lizzie Borden <laughs> pushing her sister down the stairs. No, it fucking wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> when she died, Lizzie was worth equivalent today of just under five million dollars that's pretty good guy yes yeah so that's how lizzie died but shall we look at the theories surrounding the lizzie borden murders let's 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 do it what do you think so far well i mean it does seem to be that there are very few other suspects in fact none so that doesn't bode overly well but then there's not a lot of evidence either there's lots of things i can fill in here but it's a famous case but it is what strikes you about it? Does anything strike you about it? I'm not, this is not a leading question, I'm just asking. <laughs> this is a trick question, I feel. What strikes you about that face? An axe. <laughs> An axe. <laughs> I mean, yes, who else could it have been? Hmm. There seems to be, hmm. and the door was locked, potentially from the inside. The husband chap, he couldn't get in. The father couldn't get in because the door was seemed to be locked or stuck or something there were lots of comments at the trial about how the back door and the front door was locked to the point of where it's quite confusing there Mm. i think there was a spring lock on them the the front door certainly before andrew got in it seemed like no one could have got in because it was locked maybe they could have got in the back door i think lizzie had asked the maid at one point leave the door unlocked 
because Abby has gone out. Well, yes, I mean, who else? And who's going to... The, the laughing, giggling from the upstairs. <laughs> is, is that after you've axed, axed your mother? You're going to have a good giggle about it? <laughs> or you're standing upstairs waiting for the all clear so you yeah. can go downstairs. And, then and go, it's not <laughs> the sort of thing if some crazy axe-murdering maniac has come in. Or come as a... As a to, I'm going to steal all your jewels. And has a giggle at some swearing. Yeah, they're, they're not known for their giggling, I feel. Would, would you like me to run through the theories? I'll go for it, yes, I think Now, I have quite in a masterstroke somehow managed to boil these down to the seven deadly sins as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> they don't completely scan out, but let's go with it. <laughs> right, let's, well, the fir- let's the first try one, The first one is greed. Let's go yeah, with that, greed. Yeah, that is, that is definitely one, yeah. Lizzie wanted daddy's money. Yeah. She is very annoyed that she has been living in this house her father is worth millions you know he's worth a huge amount of money she is living in not very nice surroundings and not very you know the the house is large but she doesn't have the comforts of everyone else that she is probably associating with in all of her endeavors she doesn't like her stepmother either her stepmother's family are now taking more and more of her inheritance they're taking more and more of this property her father's spending money on business investments instead of the fancy houses so it's premeditated Mm -hmm. lizzie has a vendetta against the father and the stepmother and that would lean towards the idea that she has gone out to buy prussic acid now it's said that she was refused the prussic acid at one druggist store but maybe she obtained some and everyone was ill in the preceding days before the murders was she trying to poison them and then just lost her shit but going from i'm going to poison you to i'm going to axe in your face Mm. That, that that's quite a leap really isn't it i like the way you turned axe into a verb i shall axe in your I face, axe in your face. <laughs> it's, it's almost saucy but <laughs> shall we axe <laughs> it will yeah yeah that's, maybe, that's maybe a... it wasn't doing it quick enough and maybe she snapped well hmm. that's i mean from like even if it's not 40 from 17 that's a a frenzied angry thing mm. this is not a oh the poison didn't work slit your throat or something like that yeah quick and clinical and done this is a this is a rage-filled frenzy of of hacking and if she was trying to kill the whole family and if maggie was ill which she apparently was the morning of why wouldn't she just kill maggie no so okay so greed there you go okay part yeah, of that. Good one. now another theory is let's go with wrath this is where some of the darker theories came in. Mm. That Andrew was molesting Lizzie. Okay. There have been later reports. I'm sure there were many later reports. There were many later reports. Let's not discount them completely. It is possible that this could have happened. There is animosity and there is a very stringent kind of upbringing behind this family. It, we shouldn't discount it completely of just, but I, I know you're kind of making no, the face no, 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 no. Now, I haven't delved into the theories about that Lizzie may have been subjected to abuse. Again, I haven't read that deeply into it. So that's why I'm not discounting it completely because I don't feel that well informed on it. It wasn't said in the trial or anything mm. like that. And probably it wouldn't have been. Why would you? You know, if you're from that background. It's there. It's on the table. Okay. The killing of the pigeons. Also, we could we could go with that rather than yeah. The, let, the let's go with thing. yes. You, father killed my pigeons, therefore I kill him. She was maybe something okay. snapped. Whoever committed this crime, it was in a frenzy. Well, it was yeah, in a frenzy. Absolutely. And why kill Abby as well? Why not kill the father? Why kill Abby? What is going on there? So, is it possibly that Lizzie is stressed and upset, and and this has just been the culmination of something, and she has snapped? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay, so another popular theory, slightly modern, lust. Okay. Lizzie and Maggie were lovers. Or that Lizzie was certainly a lesbian. Okay. That's one theory. Known for their axe attack. (laughs) There was a very recent film in 2018 with Chloe Sevigny and Kristen Stewart, I believe, where they play this out that Lizzie and Maggie were lovers. But this has been written about for a while. Again, I say a while, the last 40 years. (laughs) But... Is Lizzie a lesbian? Is she frustrated? Was she having an affair with Maggie? People have written about this at length. Mm-hmm. The frustrated lesbian, her father is being really oppressive. She can't live her life. And then again, something snaps. It's also that horrible kind of angle of it of like, all lesbians will go mad. 
because they're evil. <laughs> so if we if we scratch at that, well, not she was that, a lesbian, yeah. so that means she's a murderer. Yeah, yeah, I'm not entirely convinced <laughs> yeah. by that by that one. That is more of a modern thing that I'm not on board with, <laughs> where it's just kind of they were gay together, they had to kill people to survive. I, I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so <laughs> not so sure on that one. But maybe they covered for each other. Maybe they covered for each yes. other. Were they in cahoots somehow? Maybe that goes back to greed. You don't know. Mm. Those are the those are kind of the three biggies. Those okay. are the three biggies, which are speculative. Envy. Another theory, Maggie did it. Yeah. The servant did it. Okay. Why would Lizzie cover for her if she did? Blackmail, maybe, was going to help Lizzie get some money out of it if Maggie killed Has she the covered stepmother? for her? But she didn't know. If she, if she was in the barn eating pears, <laughs> all for the whole, whole thing. Would she, she may not even know who's done it. Exactly. So if Maggie had done it, she it's not as if she's covering from it because she just doesn't know who's done it. Yeah. Lizzie being out in the barn, eating pears, up in the loft, staring out the window, seems so far-fetched that I think it's probably true. I don't think it is that far-fetched. But, but that's what I mean, is that if you are guilty of a murder you'd probably go i was up a tree and i was very purposely hammering this nail well this person saw me and i did all these series of things that could mean i was never possibly near the crime scene being up a barn no one can see you so it's not the sort of thing you would make up it's not the sort of thing you would make up it's not a good alibi to to make up i was by myself in a barn where no one could see me yeah this is not the sort of thing you make up yeah as a i need to get out of this it's a thing that you probably would do. So so you think maybe she was in the barn? I think that's entirely possible. She was in the barn. Maggie cracks after washing windows all day in the sweltering heat. Potentially. Is not well. Is, is not well. Is the only person expected to look after this quite large house. Mm. Is not being well treated potentially. Goes a bit nuts. Mm-hmm. I think that is a possibility. Yeah. There were theories at this point, I'll say about Maggie and also about Lizzie, people might be going, but if they did these things, where is all the blood on their clothes? Where is is all the evidence? If it was Lizzie, she burned the dress. She changed Mm -hmm. before anyone came in. Maggie, easily, same thing. She could have changed. There are, again, I think this is modern interpretation that has somehow been translated into folklore that the women were naked when they did it. To be no. fair, if like if you kill someone, you strip off naked. And this was used in a couple of film versions of Lizzie Borden to, to great effect, very artistic effect. But maybe it was just to get tits on screen. Yeah, that's just an excuse to get breath, <laughs> to get your tits out. But right. you kill someone naked, you can wash that off completely and it's not on your clothes, it's not going to stay in the fibres if you're that... Yeah, but I'm sorry, at, at, that, at that point you don't consider, <laughs> am I going to am I going to leave fibres on the crime scene? It's premeditated. You don't, you don't yeah. have that consideration of okay. people... So, no, no, no. So, no, no nudity, no. but you're leaning more towards Maggie there. I think okay. there's a possibility. Okay, good, good, good. There are other mm-hmm. theories that go a bit crazy. Aliens did it. Aliens did it. People muttered that a boyfriend must have done it. Lizzie had a boyfriend. Daddy didn't approve. He came in and killed her that we never heard of again, ever. So this boyfriend only appeared when she was suspected of murder. Never heard of before. Never heard of after. Absolutely. Right, yeah, that's going to be it. Nick, that is true love. (laughs) Okay. That's where the lesbian thing comes back into it, that people were thinking, like, not not because the sisters were close, but that uh, Lizzie later on at this party she was sewing for an actress might have been actually mixing with a possible lesbian actress at the time or just like you know she was she was just she was just being gay and her sister didn't like it <laughs> well yeah. that's the truth is if she was yeah yeah no gay... I'm, I'm, I'm just liking how it took you about five minutes to come around to that conclusion i know another my theory is sloth i put sloth in here yeah uh, the uncle did it because he was lazy and he wanted some money. Bollocks. So, 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 so. Uncle, birth mother, Sarah, her brother, John Morse, had visited the night before. He had stayed in the house the night before. People are probably screaming at the podcast. They're going, what about John Morse? No, I wasn't going to forget him. He is, he stayed over the night before. He left at about eight o'clock that morning to go and buy some ox. Off, yep. As you do. He well, stayed over. He had had a conversation with Andrew and the family about money, about his sister's estate stay apparently got a little bit heated about money andrew was not a well-liked person and he would regularly get into arguments with people who decided actually you might have screwed me over here a little bit so people felt that possibly john morse had an axe to grind literally or he had done enough to stir up bad feeling in the house that everyone was suddenly talking about money and that was maybe the straw that broke the camel's back 
the it left Lizzie or whoever else was in the house quite pissed off about money because he was just saying, well, what about Lizzie's natural birth mother? What about her family? What about all this stuff? And you're giving money to your new wife. But other people said, no, he came back and hashed them to death and then fucked off forever. Yeah. Let's say pride, 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 lone criminal, lone criminal, because Andrew was a proud man. Tied that in beautifully. (laughs) Nicely done, absolutely. There were accounts, Lizzie gave accounts at the inquest that she had heard business associates of her father come to the house and certainly one man, a couple actually, but one man in particular came to the house, she didn't know who he was, came in and was arguing with Andrew. He was arguing with him and the the argument got so heated that Andrew had to ask him to leave the house. And this is a day or two before the murder. Okay. And it was about money. It was about property. It was about what was owed, what was due. Andrew would not have this man in the house and he ejected him. So Andrew was not a mobster, mafia kind of guy, but he no, certainly he had enemies. He was a popular chap. No, he wasn't popular. And people were annoyed at him and annoyed at his wealth and annoyed at his miserly ways. So there you go. Gluttony. Someone killed him for the lovely pear tree. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's my favourite so far. Or the mutton broth that they had for breakfast. Or the cookies. The cookies, <laughs> the cookies were good. Absolutely, the cookies were so bloody good. They invented Oreos. I think that's the seven. I think that's the seven deadly skin. Another theory, Nick. <laughs> yes. She was Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. Not, it's not a theory. No, it's, not it's not a theory. <laughs> I mean, you say that and I thought, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if some like crazy, crazy person... <laughs> Has has done that. I, thought, I was waiting to find that. And I, I just thought, obviously, obviously everyone who has been accused of everything on this podcast is Jack the Ripper. So, yeah. I, yeah, half, yeah. I half believed you on that one. I thought, there's going to be one <laughs> mad person who I has mean, got that conspiracy going. 1892. Well, exactly. I mean, it's right around the same sort of time. Exactly. She was known for taking holidays away from the family. Oh, there we go. Perhaps she went to Whitechapel and... And, and practiced her skills <laughs> so yeah she was jack the ripper i think we can we can put that as a hard second right yeah, yeah 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 no absolutely i'll yeah. give you that there are other theories there is another theory that a secret brother did it that there was a brother who was oh oh it goes from that he was deformed he was disabled been locked in the attic or something uh, just all of this rubbish lived in the cellar yeah all of these things you may have other ideas and theories and please throw them at me nick by all means but whatever <laughs> happened that day in fall river it left a mark on the board and name for lizzie may yes. have escaped justice but she would never escape suspicion and intrigue and infamy so yeah that is the story of lizzie borden it's a good story see i'm i I know the name and i know the axing but i'm not familiar with the i wasn't familiar at all with the the story in detail i didn't Mm. realize it was quite so ambiguous yeah um about the about the final result and well they're one of those things that we will probably never know for certain well we really won't no we won't (laughs) did not but um it's um yes I like the options. When you start looking into the Lizzie Borden case, we, we grow up th- hearing the rhyme. Not you, apparently. <laughs> I grew up in a nice place with no axes. <laughs> <laughs> but we know it's an unsolved murder and that she apparently got away with murder. But when you look into the case, and that's why I wanted to lay it out in a lot of detail, and there is far more detail out oh, there. Indeed. I mean, I could have spent hours and hours and hours and hours going over all of the court reports it is a summary by all means go out read the testimonies read things and come at me with different theories you may know secret things about this case you can really go down a rabbit hole with it you can because she was so cold and calculating apparently in all of her interviews but then she was also erratic and she changed her story around so that's what led people to think did she do it It, probably suffering from shock well yeah i mean if she didn't do it and your father and your stepmother have both been incredibly brutally murdered Mm. um and you are a a suspect that's going to put you on edge that's going to not leave you in the right frame of mind to answer people shouting questions at you and things so unsurprisingly she's not just sitting there in a casually chatting way telling them exactly what they want to hear and people don't necessarily break down in this dramatic way going oh my god oh my god oh my god you know you're not going to know what happened from one thing to another but if she didn't do it who did well i mean exactly there is that is a very good point i'm i'm i say i'm not convinced that i think the brother no no, there's, the, I don't, the brother, I don't the imaginary brother. No, I think that's very unlikely. I mean, but yeah, potentially you've got the maid. Mm. Say Lizzie was indeed outside making 
pears or whatever. Um, Making pears? I don't know, shitting around a tree or something. So. <laughs> you took a weird turn Yeah, I know, I, it, went, it went peculiar. She was in a barn eating pears. She was, in a, she was pears. In, in a barn thinking, writing lovely poems about, about pears and pears <laughs> um, and daydreaming out of a window, which we've all done. I do remember the illustrated I... book that I grew up with, with the, the horror book. And I must try and remember what the frick it was. Maybe I dreamt it. But I remember reading the theories about was it Lizzie, was it an unknown assailant, and then reading was it Maggie, Bridget Sullivan, and going it was Maggie. Yeah. And and I read it and I thought it was so compelling the way it was written. Yeah, that it was Maggie. That it was well, that it was her. Been... She just snuck downstairs. She lost it. She went upstairs and she covered for herself. And she's a servant. I just feel like why wouldn't they go to the servant immediately? But because Lizzie did not play the distraught daughter mm. she just seemed erratic and because of her prejudice possibly locally and she lived in this area where she was very disdainful of allegedly of catholics of irish people she wanted to live up in the hills she was felt herself being in the lower classes the constabulary everyone else around her all of the press in that local area would have been Oh well, she thinks that we're all shy. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, let, let's and therefore, just... let's go for her. Yeah. So it's a, that could have quite easily have worked both ways. Mm. It worked against her, and again, we've seen in some cases where no, we're going to go for this woman. We're pinning everything on that mm. she did it, and we think she's going to crack. But yeah. maybe it was the maid. Maybe the maid just cracked. Maybe, the maid. maybe it was. The maid. Or maybe Lizzie just cracked. But someone bludgeoned two people to death in that house. But it's interesting that if I got this right, the axe they found was not covered in blood or anything nope, like that nope, no they assumed a murder they weapon they assumed the murder weapon because it was broken and things but yeah. there was no i mean but that's some major clearing up action as well yeah if you've used those axes and then to scrub them clean and yeah. things so and we're talking within minutes yeah minutes so i mean is it just a random crazy person from outside or that there was an axe that was whoever did it the murder weapon was taken, thrown, yeah. hidden, and then in that day, before they actually came back and, and checked everyone, Maggie or Lizzie could have disposed of it as she could, disposed of a dress, yeah. which would have had the evidence Clean, on it. Yeah, so she put it up or, in the yeah, room, or someone, cleaned it up, and then put it in the cellar. Or so. someone ran in yeah. to kill Abby, and they encountered Abby, and they encountered Andrew. Didn't see Lizzie because she was in the barn. She was in the barn. Maggie was asleep on the third floor. Yeah. Someone came in to... There was nothing stolen. But maybe they just did that. Maybe they were looking and it was just opportune. And that's what happened. Intriguing. Isn't it intriguing, Nick? Indeed. So many options. Would you have thought that the Lizzie Borden case would make you think so much? Well, I wouldn't, no. But now I am. Well, what do you think, people? It is Lizzie Borden. It is a big case. Some of you will have huge numbers of theories and we want to hear about them. Some people... We'll just want to have a chat about cocktails. And we want to hear about that too. All right, absolutely. The Weathered Axe is a marvellous oh, cocktail. Good one. That Definitely was delicious. Give it a go. The recipe will be out on Friday. I heartily recommend trying it. But jump on the comments of all the social media, wherever you listen to this. Tell us what you think about Lizzie Borden. Tell us your theories. Tell us your stories. Wherever you're enjoying your cocktails, remember to tag us and share them on social media. And remember to join Patreon if you haven't already. Well, quite. It's exciting times. Approaching a year. Year. There's going to be some exciting yearly things going on over there. So, a perfect time to come and see. And, I mean, you've got such a huge back catalogue of exciting episodes to listen to and me throwing stuff around. It's great. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.